0: Welcome to the How Coronavirus Saved My Life podcast. My name is Christine. I'm a mental health nurse practitioner who got coronavirus in April of 2020 and had long COVID symptoms for months. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting better until I healed myself through unwinding my childhood conditioning. This is my story on how coronavirus saved my life and how I healed myself along with others sharing their own personal stories and how they are navigating through their own healing. How Coronavirus Saved My Life, Episode 22, The Mania. As most of you know, I'm a mental health nurse practitioner, which means I assess, diagnose, and treat people across the lifespan with mental illness. I currently treat patients with a severe mental illness in an inpatient unit. My job can be stressful as trying to find the correct meds for clients with schizophrenia or bipolar 1 disorder is not always easy. During this period of med adjustments, my clients with bipolar 1 disorder can be manic, hypersexual, delusional, paranoid, aggressive, violent, labile, erratic, they're not sleeping, they're not eating. It's pure chaos for 24/7 until the right med is found and that's if they take the med. But at the end of the day, I get to go home. Now imagine being a child where this is your home. Imagine being a child raised by a mother with bipolar. Imagine being a child growing up in chaos and uncertainty because of your mother's moods, erratic behaviors, her highs and her lows. Now imagine this same child who is now an adult daughter taking care of the same mother all while dealing with the frustrations of the mental health care system and the frustrations of waiting for that right med. The name Melissa Lorena may sound familiar to you. To say Melissa Lorena is a force is an understatement. Melissa Lorena is a business mentor, career coach, Forbes contributor, and greatest cheerleader to fellow mompreneurs. She's the creator and host of an interview with Melissa Lorena, which is a podcast for super curious humans who desire to learn from humans who are courageously and creatively went after their curiosities and made an impact so they can too. Today, I have brought my new friends and fellow podcaster, Melissa Lorena, on this show for her to tell her own personal story of what it was like as a child, growing up with a mother diagnosed with bipolar, what it's like growing up in an environment of chaos, uncertainty, erratic moods, and mania. Then as an adult daughter, being the caretaker for her mother who suffers from a severe mental illness, all while navigating the mental health care system and waiting for that right med. Hi, Melissa Lorena, how are you? Hi,
1: Christine. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I have to say that anyone that's been um, around the world of mental illness, I think feels like they deserve or feel like they want their Geraldo Rivera expose moment.
0: And I feel like I feel like this might be mine. So I'm yes. so grateful. Yes, I actually have chills right now. And um, You know, as the as the provider, you know, we're focused on the patient, the client getting those meds, you know, and we rarely have time to actually interact with family, which I really I love those moments when I'm able to have those family meetings because it's a it's more uncertainty if the person's in the hospital, they don't know what's going on, you know, are they getting better but it's so it's i i love that i'm able to flip over on this side and hear the voice of someone that's lived with it and dealt with it and seen it because we just have these short periods as providers you know with with your family and we don't we're not there all the time so i really appreciate you so much for coming on and and being a voice for other family members um this is this is y'all's moment for sure um before we get into your you know story about your mother and everything can you give the listeners um a bit of a background history where you came from you know where you went to school things like that and and what you do now
1: thank you for this opportunity to share my bio i think that my bio is a great reflection of what it is to find yourself in a situation where you you realize that that education was your source of freedom out of such a volatile environment i think that was a, a driving force and so my background is essentially one where As a little girl, I decided seeing my mom and all that I experienced that I needed to figure out how to not let that be me ultimately. And so, you know, starting early on, I'm from New York, I'm a second generation, grew up in a building where it seemed that every single floor, there was someone else with their own very public challenges, whether it was mental illness or alcoholism, or whatever the case may have been, there was little hiding, you know, growing up in New York City in such a a tightly packed building. And so it, it just presented a very interesting early beginning to my story. And from there, I remember, um, just always having this desire to like go abroad. It's interesting, because I think about it, I'm here now in Australia with my family, that That I have, which is three little boys and a husband. And I always desired to like, go and move to London. And so, (laughs) and so I thought to myself, Oh, if I have this international life experience, like, I'll be happy, I'll be safe, I'll be free. And so for me, I was like, okay, education, education. And so therein lies, you know, part of my educational background, I decided, okay, I want to go to a great institution. And so I would just study all the time, which was a great way to distract myself, to be very, very honest. Um, But it was very, very hard to study in an environment where you didn't know if you had to call the cops and go to a psych ward you know Mm -hmm. so it was it was pretty tumultuous but I studied really really hard and then I applied to all these different institutions I got so many rejections but again with context as a child to someone that has bipolar getting rejected from like a like an entity, like an organization was totally like, no problem. It was like, please, if I could work through these other things, like, like, you know, getting rejected from Princeton, no big deal. Like in comparison. So <clears throat> so eventually I landed at NYU. And again, you know, I was just like striving. I was like, oh, how can I get like a full ride? Like, how can I get like someone to pay for NYU? You know? Um, again, with thinking that I need freedom, I need freedom, I need an education, I need to make money. And so that's that's how it worked. I mean, I I I busted my my everything, I guess. I don't even have a good word for it, in order to land a full ride at NYU. And and then thereafter, I was like, okay, you know, I want to get higher education, I want to get, you know, a graduate degree. And so from that perspective, it was like, okay, you know, always curious about law, but that was more of like a, an ego driven thing. It was like, oh, lawyers are perceived as like smart, and they have money. And, you know, that's one path. So I literally went to law school, I went to Fordham Law School, for one semester, but I was paying for that bill and it was, it was not fun. And I just, at that point, it's interesting because it's totally relevant to the story of my mom. But at that point I felt that I had like a mental breakdown in Fordham law school. And, and I use that term super in a very sensitive way. It was not a mental breakdown breakdown like really really like in comparison to Mm -hmm. what I had witnessed you know as a kid but it felt too close for one so I was like yeah we're not doing this and so I quit I remember quitting and that was an interesting decision and after that I went to business school and again the whole thing there was okay so the way that I see my freedom is I want to get this education, but I don't want to be buried in debt. And so for me, again, it was like all, all paths led to let me write the best scholarship grant letter thingamajigs I could, so that this way I get my MBA. And then eventually, when I become a mom, I was already married by then. Um, when I become a mom, I will always have something to fall back on. Like, okay, I'm never going to be like in a situation where I'll feel vulnerable. Like that was the thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's like the real story of like, why I did this and why I, you know, like skipped Christmas to write my my grant applications, like, everything in the back of my mind was just like, A, get out of here. B, never be in this situation and see you just need to like, get it together, even if the world is falling apart from around you.
0: That is that is I love that's very similar to my own story. Um, Yeah, because you were like, I never want to return to this chaos and instability ever again. And you're like, fighting and clawing to get there. And then the smart thing too was I don't ever want to end up like even though I'm married and have kids and stuff um because when I was married we had separated briefly early on and that's when also it was right around September 11th too where I had a huge shift and I was like and we ended up getting back together but I never, I never wanted to ever depend on anybody for anything. I just, it's all me, no matter what happens. And I'm happy that I laid that groundwork for myself because I am divorced now and I am, I'm good. You know, I never want to depend on anybody for my own stability and security.
1: Yeah, exactly that. So for me, it was just, you know, just bearing witness and, and deciding I don't know when it was that I made that decision, but deciding early on that I could have a different life experience. One of like peace and tranquility, yeah
0: yeah, you know, yeah. so, yeah. So, um, how, how, okay. So you were your house. So you were lived in an apartment and you lived with you. It was you and your mom and who else with you in the, in the, in the apartment. That's it. That's it? Just you and your mom? That's it? Yep. Wow. So how old were you when you started to notice like something wasn't quite right with your mom?
1: Yeah, it's a great question because my goodness, my parents split when I was about two years old. And when my parents split around that time, so the story is told to me, is when my mom was diagnosed with bipolar So to think that I never, I don't recall my mom not having bipolar, like ever. So for me, it's, it's been like, this is the mom that I got. And so it's like, like, I just, for me, which is hard. It's like,
0: wow. Yeah. Yeah. My mom isn't bipolar. She has severe narcissistic disorder. And so with with her on her personality it was it's hard to like explain why she was so awful i don't I'm not saying your mom was awful but mine was just very manipulative and gaslighting and it's very subtle and all these things um so did you have were there any other like grandparents or anybody supportive growing up with helping you and your mom
1: yeah so like we had this neighbor her name was oliva and i remember Because the apartment building was such that, um, you know, from a New York City perspective, I would say that most people nowadays don't talk to one another left Mm -hmm. to right of their apartments. Mm -hmm. However, um, being someone who was born and raised in New York and whose mom and dad were born and raised in New York, I feel like we have a very different opinion on that. Like we actually talk to our neighbors I know it sounds so like alien but we really did and so for me there was this this uh little old lady named Oliva who lived on my left and so I think my mom had told her like in advance like hey you know if I if I ever act in a way that is unusual or different like take her
0: wow yeah Wow, so that was interesting <laughs> yeah um your' it's like your mom was laying the groundwork for that situation as well that's that's yeah. very interesting so your did your so your mom has she been had she been hospitalized a whole lot growing up
1: oh god yeah like that's that's the part that's like really crazy in the sense that um Ugh, goodness. It just was back and forth and back and forth. And then like, after a while, I was like thinking to myself, I was like, okay, like, I was almost like comparing it. I was like, oh, this seems to happen every time I have like a big exam that I have mm-hmm. to go to the hospital or like ever, you know, if there's like a certain, I remember final season at NYU. And I just remember being alone in my dorm. And I was just like, you know, and in my head, obviously, I'd be cursing it, I'd be like, you know, why, why now, you know, like, yeah. why now? and it's, and it's interesting, because, like, not until recently, I was like, man, you know, like, it's pretty hard to take an exam for like calculus, just like on the base level, but then to know that calculus and like, you know, mental instability that has to be handled is waiting for you on the other end. So I've only grown to be compassionate now for myself before I was like, why can't I get this? Why can't I get calculus? Why can't I write in a way that's like clear to other people? Like there were so many like jumbled thoughts Mm -hmm. in my head that I just was like, what the heck is going on? And so, yeah, it was constant in and out, in and out. The reason being that early on, even if a, a you know a psychiatrist said to my mom, like, hey, you have bipolar. My mom didn't wanna believe it, I think in part. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of that. It was like, like, I don't need the medication, mm-hmm. I'm just fine. And so it just kept going back and forth, back and forth. I don't know if it was also like, forgetting to take it. I Mm -hmm. actually don't, don't believe that, to be honest. I think it was, well, let me just be very clear. Like, I've had a very open and honest conversation. And, and as it was expressed to me, it was, it it was almost like on purpose in a way. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a quite the sensitive topic, because it, it seems kind of, It seems mean spirited, but then at the same time, it's like, like, you don't want to think that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. it's like, wait a minute, there must have been some sort of like, not necessarily logical, but some sort of like emotionally vulnerable, tough struggle, you know, for my mom to just come to terms with like, oh, I need this medication and I need it for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's not just like a weekend or like right. until symptoms go away. Right. It's like, oh no, it's like forever.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's not like you're, it's just a an antibiotic, seven days of antibiotics or something. Um, yeah. And that's the, that's one of the biggest challenges as a provider because they're, yes, they're and I don't did your mom ever have like psychosis with her mania
1: I don't even know what that is but chances are whatever exists she probably did have at some point yeah
0: yeah so a lot so when they have like psychosis that part of their brain that that has the insight like you and I have insight it's actually dull and so Mm. they 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 really just don't believe they have it because that part of their brain is dull but also too and I like a lot of people with bipolar they like being manic like I mean I mean I sometimes I say man I want to be manic for just one day to see what it's like because you know the the highs are so high um and yeah and then having to take some and then all the side effects to medications and then some of those mood stabilizers you have to have blood work and it's it's such a such a challenge um yeah i mean i i couldn't imagine having to take and a lot of times especially if they go off meds a lot then you have to have multiple meds just to get them stabilized back to where what we call baseline um yeah (laughs) so is your is your mother still alive
1: Yeah, yeah, she is. And so she's in New York. And so as far as you know, the caretaker right now, I do have a sister and she's younger than me. And, you know, just for context, you know, during the early days, when I had the sister, you know, I was there kind of playing like, you know, nanny on the side in a way, Mm -hmm. caregiver also in a way. Yeah. So which, stretched me but it was an interesting experience because now yeah like my sister my sister I would say is the primary caregiver just I mean she's physically closer and emotionally closer to my mom it's very weird Christine because it's like during the early days with me, my mom wasn't really on her medication and had a lot of that denial. And maybe Uh it was like, you know, like a physiological thing, as you said, in terms of an area of your brain. Uh And then when she had my sister, it's like she came to terms with it. And then she's been super consistent with her medication. So it's, a wonky (laughs) situation for me to
0: understand yes yes it feels I mean the first like my stomach just it feels like a betrayal almost like you know not that she's perfect consciously doing it but I mean it's like why was I not good enough for you to be stable
1: yeah exactly so it's uh it's super sensitive but I will say that as far as like I've heard from other people like you get different parents even if like Like it's the same mom, but like two kids. It's almost like each kid gets their own kind of different parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think about that from a perspective of like my mom. It's like, well, you know, I have had to literally, you know, call 911 and be Mm -hmm. like on the phone Mm -hmm. with those operators and explaining a situation and crying and thinking like, why am I alone here, you know?
0: And, right.
1: and my sister didn't have to have that and mm-hmm. it's it's like it's really interesting because I will say this like obviously like I've built a lot of resilience because of this right um so there's there have been blessings that I've definitely garnered along the way there's just no way that I could do things that I do now mm-hmm. without having had that kind of experience first and so I see the value in in that but then at the same time like in the moment like damn it was really devastating yeah really
0: really hard right yeah I mean and it wasn't
1: now and it wasn't now like today people are talking about mental illness in my opinion versus the 1980s right or 79 not that I was like talking Mm -hmm. when I was like birth but like Mm -hmm. people are talking about mental illness now now back then I wasn't allowed to talk about that this was not a topic I could just be like telling my teachers like hey heads up you know like help like I couldn't say that
0: that's so so that and that's like shame right like you're not allowed to talk about it and that's shame I mean how did you how did you Cause to me, I would feel alone. And I mean, how did you get over, I'm sure it affected lots of parts of your life. Like with my mom and her stuff, I definitely had anxiety, perfectionism issues, still working on that. Um, what kind of areas of your life did going through all of that, how that affects you emotionally?
1: Emotionally, it's really interesting in the sense that it's, it's a process, I'm not like totally healed. A lot of people, a lot of people, they're like, oh, talk, talk from the scar, not the wound. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say I still have wounds. So Mm -hmm. it's uh, it's a process. But, you know, for me, I would say emotionally, like fear of abandonment, like Mm -hmm. that's high on my list. Um, Assuming that a marriage has to be hard you know, like, that's another one. Um, You know, just lack of trust. Mm -hmm. That's another one. So there's a lot, a lot there, because it's like, Once you step into that role as a kid, as a like a caregiver, Mm -hmm. you see adults very differently. Like you don't see them as like, like you're not intimidated by them first off, Mm -hmm. um, because then you're like, well, these people break. So I'm just like, Yeah. I'm like, well, that's interesting. Um, but but at the same time, it's like it just puts you in a really vulnerable spot because if the person that's supposed to be like, you know, caring for you can't do that. It's like, it brings up like walls in you. And it's like, it's just it makes the whole thing very difficult to work through when it comes to even being a friend to somebody. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, just waiting for the day that that person, you know, yes abandons me or whatever yes. or betrayed yes. me just just waiting you know let's count
0: down because yeah. you're you're nice speaking experience. you're speaking my language melissa this is i mean you don't yeah. hear from them right away oh i guess they just don't like me anymore you know it's like they don't like me anymore here, here it comes you know it's always like this thing like you can't get too comfortable because around the corner there's going to be the, 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 the thing again the chaos you know the the not being there the not trusting yeah I mean I I I totally can relate to all of that and I know for me like and it's not this blanket thing where you go oh I grew up in chaos and my mom had this mental illness it's what I've noticed for myself I have something I'll get an emotion like maybe anger and I'm like why am I angry I don't even know why I'm so damn angry what is it what is it And i'll literally go universe show me what it is and then like later on the evening a memory will pop up that i completely forgot about about how my mother wasn't supportive and all of these things and i release it and so that's one thing i figured out for myself is when i get it because we store our emotions in our bodies like when we're kids our brains Mm -hmm. aren't developed so we store all that you know they say muscle has memory literally it, we store it in our body. And so, you know, when I get an emotion, I, I just, now I just go universe. What is it? Cause it's something that I, cause I have no reason to be angry. I'm very grateful. I have a beautiful life. I have just submit stuff that comes up. I used to fight it. Now I just surrender to it. And I just say, show me what it is. And it's usually a memory. And I, you know, like literally will howl in my kitchen for my sacral and, and release it and then acknowledge it and think it. And it moves on.
1: Yeah, that sounds like something I should probably do because there's there's certainly things that, you know, and just like having having a partner, right? So like having my husband and his life experience is like very, very different than mine. Like his was very, very stable. It's it's really interesting because I ask him, I'm like, okay, this situation happened. How do you perceive it? And it's totally different oh, than how yes, I perceive
0: it. Yes, yes, a thousand percent and what's interesting you say that too because after cuz the reason main reason you know I got divorced is because he shut down and i kept feeling rejected for 2 years i was like what's going on why you know you know why don't you like me you know and then after now we're super good friends and we've worked through all that childhood stuff it's very very fascinating because what we figured out was is he did not want to open up to me because his childhood programming said people are going to judge you and so, because he didn't open up, I felt rejected and it was this cycle of hell for like two years wow. and yeah. And so I, I always say we're all at the airport and we all have luggage, our childhood luggage mm-hmm. and you never know what's in there. It may look really pretty and fancy, but there might be some, some, some snakes in there, you know, who knows. But, um, were you ever worried about that? You were going to have bipolar.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why I decided to major in psychology at NYU as an undergrad, you know, like I wanted to know, like I didn't mm-hmm. care whatsoever about like Carl Jung, like uh-huh. I, I could care less about theory and uh-huh. all of this other stuff. Like I wasn't even there to like understand like human behavior and dynamics. Mm-hmm. Like that was not my interest. I was like, okay, am I going to get this? period. Mm -hmm. That's all I wanted to like uncover. And it was quite disappointing because I remember I was sitting in abnormal psychology, which is an elective. So I had to go through all of the curriculum for like, you know, regular credits or whatever. And then I had to pick this elective in order to figure out if like the destiny was going to be like, terrible for me. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going to that one chapter and I swear it was maybe like a paragraph in a chapter of an abnormal psychology textbook on you know bipolar and they differentiated it between one and two and and Mm -hmm. I just didn't really care about that I was more like well am I going to get it yeah so this was this was just for context for anyone that's listening like you know think before Google was really such a thing Mm -hmm. this was not like something I could just Google you know like this was definitely pre I, I don't even know if MySpace was around back then but Anyway, so back then it was a physical book and ultimately the read was, well, maybe. You know, it's like, oh, thanks a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I paid for a maybe. Or I didn't (laughs) pay, but I wrote and worked really hard for a scholarship for a maybe. Mm -hmm. And so all it meant, all that meant, to me at the time was, okay, so, you know, maybe I do have this in my DNA, and maybe it's switched off. And maybe it can be switched on by way of, you know, expression, if I encounter some sort of like, crazy situation where I feel completely like, you know, um, just, I can't handle it. I.E. back in the day, which I just mentioned to you about law school, like that was a fear. It was like, holy crap, what if I bring about a certain situation that's then going to like turn on a particular piece or, you know, my DNA that's going to get me into this space of like manic depression. And ultimately, there was also like this like waiting too so like i don't know if this is true or false but my mom was just like oh like if it does happen it's usually around the age of whatever in your 20s or like mm-hmm. there's some some sort of time frame mm-hmm. that you might be particularly sensitive for like showing that you do have this mental illness mm-hmm. and so you know i mean some people look forward to their sweet 16 right like yeah. not me like i'm just yeah. like I'm yeah. like, oh my God. So yeah. that was the whole purpose of of studying psychology. I just wanted to know, am I gonna get it? The the flat answer was like, you don't know. Law school was like an opportunity for that gene to go and, and be turned on. It wasn't. And I'm very, very grateful that through a lot of work. So like I put myself into therapy I paid for, mm-hmm. like at NYU, like some people were like, oh, you know, go to frat parties and sorority parties. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, every week here I am with I think her name was like Julia, you know, every week here I am. <laughs> Julia. Yeah,
0: that's so smart. Cool.
1: Yeah, that was because of my my partner, like my, my husband now was my boyfriend then. And this was my freshman year. And my freshman year, I dormed. And I felt like I kind of felt like I was able to open up. It was like, oh, thank you, gosh, like I'm able to open up to somebody and so I opened up to him, poor guy, you know, it's like, hi, let's start dating. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, by the way, and, and he, he was the one that literally helped me like find like Ugh. the therapy and like have a conversation. And like, sometimes we would meet like at the McDonald's or whatever after the sessions. Wow. And then we would always have like our, like, oh, so what happened with Julia? Obviously I didn't like share like everything, but mm-hmm. it was just like, like, it was like, oh, like his name is literally Jesus, Jesus and I was like, okay, yeah, you are like a savior. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's that actually brings tears to my eyes because he saw something in you that maybe you didn't see in yourself because you never grew up in a safe environment. But he, I mean, I, what I think is he saw love. He saw this person as love and she deserves to be happy. And how awesome that he did come from that stable background to help you shift through that because he obviously loves you, loves you, you know, he, he saw love and he loves you enough to to help you with that. That is just awesome. I, I, that is, that's a beautiful story. That's a very beautiful story.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I just, you know, and it's interesting because having come from a place where there was a lot of like volatility and, and, and just kind of like uncertainty and, and all these gosh, it was just like a a soup of like confusion, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like he, you know, at NYU, this was like into like week two of my college experience that I literally found my eventual husband. But at NYU, when I saw my husband, I saw him by the sunlight. And there was like a calm about him. There was Mm -hmm. a calm and I was like, Mm -hmm. and innocence and innocence. Mm -hmm. And this is me I'm 18 years old. Right. So I don't know if people can sense that. But at 18, because of my hyper vigilance, that is another another benefit (laughs) to being in this environment. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to just tell I was like, you know, that guy is calm. And I was drawn to that. I was like, he looks calm. And he looks innocent. Like all the other cool Mm -hmm. guys were like dancing and like Mm -hmm. trying to like talk to girls. He was to the side and I knew I felt
0: that. So yeah, totally. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Cause when we grow up in trauma, we're always, always tell people I'm scanning the room. I'm like, I'm talking to you right now, but right now my eyes are like scanning the room to see like, what's the, is there any danger around the corner? And I, I really try to work on that and just kind of live more in the present moment. Cause it's like, okay, well, what is there? What if there is danger? Whatever. I mean, okay, whatever I die. Okay. Whatever. But, um, you know, I'm dead. I can't do anything about it, but, um, but yeah, it's like, but our, our bodies are always can be in that fight or flight. That is that. I love that story about him. I love that you saw, you were like, there's the calm, there's the calm. I just, I love, it's like, you went out you were climbing this crazy mountain and then you went on the other side and there was there was your reward because you deserve it you know everybody's worthy that's super cool so um so and then you graduated from NYU
1: yep graduated from NYU and that was right around before nine eleven, actually um and I remember you know again, this is so interesting, like in the context of mental illness, I would say that, yeah, like there, there are major blessings that you can Mm -hmm. get from, from working through situations like this, because right after NYU, my whole thing was like, okay, I need to get a paying job. Like this was like my number one objective. And I at the time had been employed by, by Chase, the bank, Chase Manhattan Bank now JP Morgan Chase mm-hmm. and i remember for me i was like ah, they paid for my school but I don't want to work for them. Like I just, yeah. I just didn't want to work for them. And, and so I had that, I had the option. I know a lot of people don't under certain conditions for grants and things. And so I was interested in a company called Reuters now called Thomson Reuters. And I remember I was like, okay, I want to get a job at Thomson Reuters, but getting a job at Thomson Reuters meant that I would have to learn how to drive, get a license, buy a car, get an apartment in what I like to call random hob Long Island in New York. <laughs> and this is a Queens girl, right? Who's always mm-hmm. been able to walk to a myriad of trains to get to Manhattan. Right. So this was really unusual territory. Yes. But again, growing up in an environment where, you know, in a second I need to analyze a situation and I need to find help. And I also need to figure out um, who's the person that's going to be able to like I don't know, get me to the finish line. Like I was able to, you know, get that job at Reuters. And it was like, I was the only person in the country that got that job um, wow. because I was super persistent. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I was able to learn how to drive a car and buy a car and get an apartment in, like I said, in, in Long Island. So that was 30 days to do that.
0: Wow. I
1: I don't feel like if I hadn't, like if I had not been equipped early on as like the daughter of someone with bipolar, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if I didn't have that quote unquote training, that would have felt like crazy time, like just like yeah. super unbearable. Yeah. And, and, you know, did I ball, you know, when I was learning how to drive, like cry literally uh-huh. when I was like, right in front of a tractor trailer? Absolutely. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, it's like you find like a i don't know if the right word is resolve inside you just mm-hmm. find something inside of you yep. that is supernatural to be very honest yes um yes. and 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 you just you just press forward and and you just make a commitment you don't you don't you make a commitment and when and when you have someone in your life who has bipolar, you also realize that they can't make the same commitments as you. Yes. Like, I'll give you an example that I think might be helpful for someone that has experienced this in their life. So with bipolar, with mania versus like being in that, you know, depression or depressive state, when you're manic, and I know earlier you said that some folks like they they love being manic. Like when you're manic, when my mom was manic, those were the moments that she would say, I want to become a registered nurse, I want to go be a doctor, I want to go do this, like go back to school or something and become like sensational, you know, Mm -hmm. in some sort of way. And, and I remember thinking to myself as a little girl, I felt disappointed, like all the time. It was like, I was like, why can't she do that? Like, that Mm -hmm. would be, that would be cool. Because it's like, then Mm -hmm. you don't need welfare, or then you don't need WIC, or then you don't need blah, blah, blah. So, and, and so obviously I was confused as a little girl. I, I was like, what the heck is going on here? But um, I, it was like a decision, quote unquote, she couldn't make. Right. So for me getting all this education, I was like, there's no way on this planet. I'm not going to make those decisions for myself because quote unquote, I think I could handle stress. Like I didn't see it as like this, like sensitive thing yeah, but, yeah. but for my mom. My mom it's like you
0: if she's in a stressful environment it's like forget it, yeah you know it, it's yeah. tough yeah does does um anyone else have any bipolar or mental illness in your family besides your mom?
1: Not that I know of the interesting bit is that you know again the shame for talking about it also. <sighs> I think it's just like this lack of control that that might be a reason why it's not spoken about too. Cause it's kind of like, well, you could talk about it at nauseum, but then you can't like cure it. So what's the sense in talking about it? But Mm -hmm. like, there's been depression, you know, in different parts of my family, but, um, for someone to say, oh, and they've been diagnosed with a B or C, I think there's, that just hasn't been like, okay, you know? So, I'm sure it's somewhere else. Like, I I can't imagine this came from like the sky, because that would be cruel. But
0: yeah, I'm
1: sure I'm sure it's somewhere else. I think. um, But what I what I am here to say is this, that for me, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about like being a cycle breaker, right? And it could be Mm -hmm. a cycle breaker for like trauma, or it could be Uh a cycle breaker for, um, you know, generational, like poverty or whatever. Uh And like, And for me, when it comes to like mental illness or even like poverty or various traumas, I'm here to like start cycles. You know, I'm a cycle freaking starter. Oh, girl, I love that. That's where I am because if I could handle handled as a kid like what's mm, in my way not, now not, nothing because my intention is clean too like I'm yes. not this person that's like hanging out being like oh I'm gonna like you know do some bad thing or whatever like I just like I'm a mom with three little kids I mean I have identical twins which is totally starting a cycle there like yes like that that was complete surprise um and and you know, we relocated from the United States to Australia, starting a cycle there. Mm -hmm. And I spoke up about a bunch of stuff that's happened to me, which is unlike all the generations before. And if they did, they would have been told to like, close their mouth. Like that's the God's honest truth. So for me, it's like, you know what? It's like, whoever gave me these experiences, it's like, like there's gotta be a
0: reason for them. Yes. Yes. Oh, cycle starter. I love that. Like I'm so that's, uh, I'm going to be thinking about that all day. Cycle starter. That is freaking, I've never heard that. That is, I know. And it's not a fire starter. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Not a fire, but yeah. Cycle starter. Oh, that is beautiful. That is just so freaking beautiful. I, That I love that um so when your mom was hospitalized when you were a kid what 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 happened to you where would you go
1: yeah great question so it was interesting so when my parents divorced my dad decided to stay in the neighborhood so i was walking distance to my dad's apartment and my grandmother at the time lived with my dad. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, you know, different times of my youth, I would go and either a there was always Oliva, like I said, the lady next door. Mm -hmm. And then it was a little bit of this, like, there was like a network thing going on. So it was like, okay, you know, my mom had told Oliva, hey, if anything funny happens, you know, take my daughter, let her, let her be with you. But then at the same time, like my dad would like tell teachers at my school, like, Hey, you notice anything, let me know. Right. So there was kind of like that going on in the background. I didn't know this, of course, back then, but that's what was going on in the background. So something would happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And let's say I would
1: go to Oliva. Okay, great. And then Oliva would was friends with like my dad's mom. And so they they knew each other. And so, you know, either I would go to my dad's apartment or whatever. But yeah, it was it was interesting because <laughs> there, there were moments that there was some, you know, schlepping of Melissa involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were moments of complete be completely being alone, you know, some memories are like hard right so yeah, yeah but there yeah. were but yeah it's like for me i just keep thinking i'm like wow you know like it's pretty cool that i i i went to school like i yeah. always submitted my homework on time
0: yeah yeah <laughs> like, i mean yes and what i love about cuz when you were talking about you know people were partying and you were going to therapy that to what i look at that as like a crossroad moment because mm-hmm. you could have easily gone partied and then guess what melissa start using drugs and drinking and then like ignite For that sure. little bipolar gene you know mm-hmm. um so that i mean that's like uh, chills again i have chills again um that's just uh, like a pivotal moment in your life that's super cool so when you So when you became an adult you were you still having to take care of your mom was she still being like after eighteen like hospitalized were you still were you the one in charge of all that yeah it was
1: <laughs> it was an interesting uh moment in time when I was eighteen. I remember you know so eighteen I was dorming at n y u but then I would come home on the summers. And then, um, you know, every year in between, and then one year, again, to kind of prove the point that I was so yearning for freedom. Mm -hmm. um, I remember one year, um, I had the opportunity to study abroad and work abroad for Chase in London. Mm -hmm. And now if you recall, early on in this conversation, I mentioned that it was a dream for me to live in London, right? And so I mean, I wasn't thinking about manifesting back then, because I was just like, you know, I didn't know the language, but Mm -hmm. I think that's what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and so when I had that opportunity, that was essentially also an opportunity for me, um, you know, to, to just get out of the country, (laughs) like, and, and just kind of like breathe fresh air, even Mm -hmm. though London is not like this, beacon of fresh air, but it felt like that. And so I remember, I just remember glowing, I was so glowing. Mm. Um, And, and at that point, I was just like, well, if something happens, you know, at home with my mom, like, I can't, I can't let I cannot let this continue to like, just like, get in my way. I know I'm saying it in such a bad way. But that's just real you know like it just felt like that like you're just like for me it's like I'm just trying to move forward and then something pulls you back and it's like I want to move forward and then you're pulled back and I'm just you know and and at that time too like I was exposed to like other people who had like moms that didn't have something and I was just like I was like wow I want mm-hmm.
0: that. Yes. <laughs> Why yes. I have
1: that. <laughs> like, uh-huh. wow, isn't it? Wouldn't it be interesting to like just study it for a test and yes. hang out with your boyfriend? And that's mm-hmm. it. And then you call your mom and she's your best friend. Right. And I'm like, like uh, so yeah, it was just it was hard. Like, like I said, every time there was an exam, it just felt it felt personal. It was just like, yeah. what the heck? Um,
0: right. and so
1: and it's interesting because you know, I like to think, I like to think that it's made me a more compassionate person. However, it's also made me someone that makes me feel like it's hard for me to hear excuses.
0: You, mm. know?
1: Um, you know, to your point of how this has affected me, because like, I've, I've volunteered for organizations, and I've been around children that have been in situations that are like similar to my own. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember I was like, I was tutoring this kid um, for his SATs. And so contextually, you think, okay, here's Melissa. Like I busted my butt for my SATs because I needed to like get freedom, you know? Uh-huh. And so I'm looking at this kid and he's like, oh, I didn't do my homework because, you know, I had to go to either a hospital, not for himself, but for a parent. And And it's so interesting because like in that moment, like I know someone that wouldn't have had my experience would have been like, Soft and gentle, <laughs> like yeah. would have been like, would have been like, oh, I understand, you know, it's emotionally uh-huh. trying. But then for me, I just kind of like, I was so blunt with him, and I was just, uh-huh. like I was like, you, you can't find an opportunity to do your homework on that bus trip from point A to point B, like, yep. you, you need to plan for that, you know. And I just kind yep. of like, and I just like, for me, that excuses field is a little thin. And so, and I also kind of saw it as like, dude, like, this is not about me. I, you know, at the time I already was at NYU and this, this is a kid who like, I don't think he realized it's like, okay, I don't, the conditions in your home could be atrocious, but Mm -hmm. you actually have an option. Like you have an option to somehow, I know this is hard, put them on a shelf temporarily, Mm -hmm. get your stuff done and then go back to that that shelf and, and work through what needs to get done
0: but I, and which I think is part of why the cycle continues sometimes right you know? right right and you know I'm having I'm having a full circle moment right now because when we did you and I did our first like one-on-one um, little video session afterwards I was telling someone I was like "Ooh, she's gonna push me and I, I but I said <laughs> I said that's what I need though I said mm. that's what I need I, I never had that growing up. Nobody gave a crap. Like, right, there's no boundaries. It was whatever. And so I've, I've created my own boundaries. But, but, but I, you know, people might go, that's crazy. No, like, because I, I need to be, I need to be pushed, you know, I, I do work in mental health. And so it's, it is like therapy for me every day. All my friends all have degrees in psychology or, you know, psychiatry. So, you know, it's a very therapeutic, you know, environment, but, you know, which is good, you know, that I'm able to have that safety and stuff, but you know the things i'm doing now is is i i definitely need someone to push me and see through my excuses melissa um so so i'm i'm that just confirmed like everything i was already thinking before so i love it i because we need people like that we need a coach we need someone to to call us out like you know a lot of like the a lot of kids today have no coping skills because we're just oh here oh you don't like your teacher we'll just get you a different one you know what I mean so yeah you know there there were too much too much of that so um so and your mom you and your mom you'll have a what kind of relationship do y'all have now
1: yeah it's it's not like the ideal relationship but it's like it's it's good for what it yeah, is, you know. Yeah, at this stage, I think yeah. it's it's been back and forth in the sense that um, you know I have her only grandchildren, so for me yeah. it's kind of like keeping the lines of communication open. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much history, man. Whew, so much history, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's like the most complicated relationship. Uh, anyone could imagine. But it's like, it's, it's interesting, because, you know, with with the medications and the medical, you know, the mental health system, from my perspective, it's like, you can't, you can't let go necessarily of a parent who is going through all of that, you know, therapy and medications and all of that, because, you know, there was a, a whole year, Christine, when she was, um, I don't know what the right term is, but I'm going to say it how it feels. It was like, it was like she was poisoned because she was mm-hmm. overdosed. And so mm-hmm. yeah. obviously, as you know, blood work, toxicity yep. levels in yep. the blood were like through the roof and a whole 365 days like, my mom was, like, gone, like, as in her brain was, it was like she was Mm. dead, and a whole 365 days, I also felt like it was my fault, and so, yeah, 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 so, so it's hard to have a relationship, right, it's, like, really, really complicated, and just, you know, and just recently, right now, like maybe there's other things going on too. And so there's always new news yes, <laughs> to yes. work through. Yes. And, and, and now I'm far away, but you know, yeah. I like to tell people like the umbilical cord, it's not just like a physical umbilical cord. I think there's a psychological cord oh, too.
0: A thousand percent. I, right. I'm, right. So for me, because when you deal with a narcissist, I mean, really the only way is, is no contact and so I've had no contact with her for almost a year. And it was the best thing that I ever chose for myself because wow. so many doors of opportunity, people came flooding into my life because I was energetically holding on to this toxic person who did nothing for my life. And, and the thing is, and I don't, people make their own decisions. We, society has conditioned, conditioned us to say, Oh, but that's your mom. And I say, and I'm her daughter. So This is the thing is like, we don't, you don't have to have a relationship where there's nothing, it's whatever makes you happy. So I will say with me, you know, even if they have a mental illness, I mean, the thing with me is my, I am so glad that I did that because I didn't even figure out she was a narcissist till after I did the no contact thing. She basically crossed the boundary and it was a very simple one. It had to do with my kid. And the, you know, they say people that react the loudest when you set a boundary or there is reinforcement that the boundary was needed in the first place. So Mm. she just kept on and on. And what's crazy too, is after I stopped talking to her, it was a month later, she started going in after me again to all my family members. And I hadn't even, and it was like the thing that I was looking for. Was actually in her reaction and emotion itself. The thing I've been my whole life searching, like, this is the thing. And it was actually, and I was like, wow, it was proof to me I, for the first time after 44 years. I did nothing wrong. It wasn't mm. my fault, you know? So um, I just, you know, it's whatever, whatever you do. I mean, but society has conditioned us, you know, through all kinds of things. Like, that's your mother, but. The thing is you're, and you're, you're a cycle starter with your boys. I mean, that's, that's, that's really beautiful. And same with my daughter, you know, I, I didn't even want to have a child because I was so scared. I was going to be like my mom. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to have a child and I did want to have one in January because that's my mom's birthday in January. And of course I, and I didn't want a daughter either. And so all those things happened of course. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah. Cause that's, that's part of my healing, you know, is that, and knowing that I'm nothing like my mom, but, um, so as, as someone that has dealt with, you know, a parent that has bipolar, what do you think is like something important as like, you would like mental health providers to know on the family side? Like, what is something that maybe we don't see? W- what is something you feel like you missed out on from like providers?
1: Yeah, I think it would have been nice if a provider said, "Hey, Melissa, how are you? Are you okay? Mm. What help do you
0: need?" Oh my God, Melissa, I love it! Yes, you're so. That is so so right. You uh, chills again. Um, yes, because when I am able to have those family meetings you know, we spend so much time talking about the, 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 the client and the, the, yeah. the family member and how well and the meds and all that. And then by the time it's like, I got to go, cause I got, you know, 20 other patients to take care of. But when I start hearing, like, especially if you start talking about, Oh, they're, they're getting better. We're going to be discharging soon. And they start freaking out, you know, that's when I'm like, okay, what's going on? You know? Um, but I love that. Will you say that again, Melissa, one more time, say it again.
1: Yeah, I think the most important piece for someone that is a, a medical provider in, in any sort of space is to ask every member of the patient's family how they are doing and how you can help them. Because I think that, you know, if I was like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, whatever age I was allowed to actually enter a psych area which mm-hmm. always felt really scary by the way. Um if someone would have asked me, I think I would have A broken down, that's for sure. Yeah. B B, I, I think I could have gotten help earlier. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't have had to wait till I was 18 years old to ask for help.
0: Oh that is uh that's beautiful. I love that so much, Melissa. Well um, do you, can you tell the listeners, um, we're going to wrap up now, you want to tell the listeners where they can find your stuff, your information, your website, all of that, your Insta and all those things? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, you know, what, what that has also done for me is it's really made me a super curious person. And that's really the theme of my podcast an interview with Melissa Lorena. And you could find my podcast on Any platform where you enjoy podcasts, like like this podcast, so iTunes, I'm there. Um, You know, Spotify, Audible, anywhere you can think of. Just type in Lorena, L L A R E N A, and you can listen to any of the. I think now I have 114 interviews with really incredible people who followed their own curiosities, and that's made all the difference in their lives. So definitely check me out there. And if anybody's interested in some of that. Love as Christine (laughs) mentioned. Um, For sure, DM me on Instagram. I promise I will be gentle. Just let me know. Yes, yes. (laughs) I am from New York. So, you know. Yes, I love um, it. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, hit me up on Instagram. Slip into my DM as the young cool kids are saying at Melissa Lorena. So both my first name and my last name have seven letters. My last name has two L's. My first name has two S's. Definitely, I am approachable, and I'm here to support and and just help anyone, especially if you're new to like self employment or podcasting i'm I'm there for you because it takes a lot of courage, it takes so much courage you know and and I think now, given christine's brilliant interview, you know you have a sense of like why why I can do certain things. And, yes. and so I can teach you how to be braver, you know, yes. in, in of your life. So reach yes. Out to
0: me. And one thing I would love to do after I'm done with your course is to come back and you and I um, share what I learned and, how i was triggered um how i purposely said trigger me melissa i need it it's good for me um but yeah i would i would love to do an episode where we talk about that um so people can get it inside scoop on what that's like so i appreciate you so much thank you for you being brave and telling your story your story's definitely not finished um i i really appreciate you trusting me and the listeners by telling your story i love you so much thank you
1: Aw, thank you so much christine have an awesome one
0: okay talk to you later bye. bye thank you to all the listeners of how coronavirus saved my life podcast if you want to know more about me and hear crazy family stories hop on over to the podcast i make with my sister it's called the family burrito My sister, Jessie, and I made the podcast after our dad died in March of 2021. We did it as a way to heal our childhood wounds. Now we are healing and now we're having a good time. So if you want to hear more stories, crazy sense of humor, and get to know my personality a little bit better, hop on over to The Family Burrito anywhere you get your podcast streaming.